Thank you. Okay. Guys, tonight we are here to talk about winning with workload um, and well-being should probably be part of that title as well because we're going to be talking about a lot of that stuff. Now, we're going to go down two sort of routes this evening. We're going to talk about mindset and kind of your approach and your mindset to things, but we're also going to be talking about practical tips that you can literally go and implement in school right now. If you've come to one of these kind of sessions before, you have heard bits and bobs. Hopefully there'll be some new things for you. And like I said, it's all about you chipping in. So if you're here live, please, please, please don't be shy. Type away. Give us your best tips, because the more we share, the more we will benefit. Right. So that is what we are here to do today. I know that you've all had a really long day. So, again, thank you very much for joining me live. I really, really appreciate that. So we're going to start off with by sort of looking at a bit of a reflection to begin with. You know, we, we want to start on a positive we don't just want to focus on all the things that aren't going right right now in terms of workload and well-being i know you've all had a really really long day which will make this a little bit trickier but please 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 give this a little look at um for me now please make sure that you do get something written in each box even if it's the tiniest thing so i want you to think about your teaching life when you put that teaching mask on what are you most proud of? And you can do this however you like. You could do today. You could do since you've been back at school. You could do um, in your whole career. You know, if today is quite a tough day, maybe go for the whole, the whole career. What are you most proud of? OK, where are you most confident when it comes to teaching? And again, could be anything. You might be a member of SLT who is really, really confident with sort of coaching others. Um, it might be that you are really, really confident in your, I don't know, subject knowledge. It doesn't need to be anything to do with your health if you don't want it to be. But just let me know, where are you most confident right now in your teaching world, in your teaching life? And then finally, what are you most excited about? Because often when we come into these sessions, we're a little bit low energy. We're kind of focusing on all the things that aren't going right right now. And that can leave us really, really flat right we want to start off today by boosting that energy a little bit what are you most excited about right now so do that now for me please guys teaching life what you're proud of what you're most confident in what you're most excited about and then once you've thought about your teaching life even harder i want you to think about your personal life so life itself what are you most proud of in life where are you most confident right now with your life and what are you most excited about let me know those things pop um them in chat for me just you know don't need to write them all down for me but just tell me tell me something you're proud of go on chuck it in what are you proud of guys this is one of the trickiest things what are you proud of and what are you excited about pop it in the chat for me like i said i want to hear from you we've got sort of about 12 people here and we've got some people watching on facebook as well pop it in the chat what are you proud of and what are you most confident about for me i'm going to give you the floor and if we don't hear any come through, we're going to sit here awkwardly whilst I sip my tea and uh, just not progress with the session. Awesome. Proud of being, of continuing to show up, even though it's really hard. Yeah, that's, that's a brilliant one. That resilience, that perseverance. Proud of not giving up. Yes. Excellent. I mean, how, excuse my French, how bloody big is that in teaching? There's, I think even if you've been teaching a year, you could probably look back on probably tens if not maybe a hundred times where you could have just gone right i'm leaving this i'm walking away and you know for some people that is the right thing to do but you know you are persevering with all these things <clears throat> finding positive to help motivate my team even though we all know it's really tough at the moment yeah i've i don't think i've spoken to any teacher who has who hasn't felt like this september has been one of the hardest septembers yet and i know we say similar things each year but it really really has 
some people are sort of really, you know, feeling it at the moment. I think a lot of people are still in that sort of that offset ramp sort of stage after COVID and lots of people are still sort of, you know, they got through last year and now leaders are sort of re-honing in on that and thinking about that. I know loads of you have had um, head teacher changes, staff changes, quite a few of you um, in the team. And if we've got any guests with us tonight, I'm sure you've experienced this as well this term. Proud having a trust-wide role. That is awesome. Going for UPS finally. Confident delivering staff meetings and training. That is a massive one. May look at moving um, into delivering training somehow. Yeah, that, that would be incredible. Excited working um, and uh, with early career teachers. Um, proud of sticking at it for 20 years, taking on many roles. That's amazing. That is brilliant. Proud of getting into a new routine for after school. Yep, really, really difficult to do. Any change is hard. Confident that I am a supportive team leader. That is, that's a really, really positive one. Being a leader isn't easy, you know, and there's that phrase of, you know, we're all leaders at some point along the chain. It's true though, isn't it? Right, that's awesome, guys. Excellent. So I hope you're feeling the energy a bit more. I hope you're feeling a bit more positive now. I want to give you a sort of chance to kind of reflect more on the actual school side of things. So this was really difficult to just come up with 10, to be honest. But I tried to pin down the 10 areas where most of you tell me you struggle on a regular basis, right? Or little things that you struggle with on a regular basis. Now, some of these will be able to impact tonight. Some of these are longer sort of term working projects, but this is what I come up with. And if one of these doesn't work for you, doesn't really ring a bell, doesn't resonate, feel free to swap it out. But if you've got a notepad and pen, just draw a star for me, please. So it's got uh, eight points, sorry, not 10. Has it got eight? I've got a count. It's got, it's got eight points. So you've got eight things there. And I came up with time management, stress, workload, which is going to be the tr trickiest one to impact, but we'll come to that later. Satisfaction in your job. You could call that enjoyment, enthusiasm, just overall job satisf satisfaction. Time for you away from teaching. Your environments, that's your relationships, your physical environment, all of that kind of stuff. Your mindset around teaching, you know, zero to 10. If you feel really, really guilty about everything and you feel compelled to always be going above and beyond and giving up your time for you for school, maybe you might score it a bit lower from uh, one to 10. How productive are you? This is one I'm going to challenge you on today because I personally felt like I was very, very productive for a lot of my career. And I, I really wasn't. I was great at chatting. I was great at making a warm coffee and really enjoying it for about half an hour and then sort of staying at school a little bit later. And my productivity wasn't really good. So I'm going, to, I'm going to be challenging you a little bit on that one. Time management as well. Something that we think is great as teachers during the day. And then what about that sort of after work time, that sort of three till half five where you just collapse on the table? How is your time management during those periods? So give yourself a score, guys. One to ten. One in the middle, as you can see. Ten will be the, the top of the arrowhead. Give yourself a little cross where you feel you'd score. So you've got time management, stress, workload. Satisfaction in your job, time for you, environment, mindset, productivity. To give me a little thumbs up when you've done that for me. Or just pop a little yes in the chat. Bethany is most confident in supporting her SEM pupils. Fantastic. Very, very good skill set to have. I think, you know, for a lot of people, that's a, an area that sort of plays on their mind a little bit. Not having that sort of skill set and knowledge yet. So just rank those areas one to 10 for me and pop a little thumbs up or a yes in the chat when you're done and I'll move on. Also, we've got some people finishing up. 
and get my music on in time, didn't I, guys? You're all finishing up. Cool. It's quite quick just to draw out that star chart, drop the titles down. Again, if there's something that doesn't resonate, you can replace that with another one. Okay. Awesome. So let's get into it then. So hopefully by the end of this, you'll have tons of areas for the uh, tons of ideas. Sorry for the areas where you score quite lowly. Uh, is that that's, a, that's not a, that's not a word, is it? Quite low. If you have some quite low scores in areas, that's going to be where I want you to pay the most attention to. Right? Give me your energy and your focus when I'm talking about the areas that you feel you need the most support in. So you know what this is, the KSS. When you go through today. I want you to think about the actions you're going to keep doing that you're already doing, the actions that you're going to stop doing that aren't useful for you anymore, and the things that you need to start doing. So it might be worth just on another bit of paper, just quickly jotting out this table, because as we go through, you can go back to that. You can jot in, right, here's an idea I'm going to keep that I'm still doing. Here's, a, here's something I need to stop doing. Here's something I need to start doing. So just jot that down on a, on a separate bit of paper for me, and that's going to be like your almost your mind dump. So as we go through, if you hear something you like, Chuck it in the grid for later. Kind of like you're, you're banking it sort of thing. Right. A quote that I use all the time, probably overuse it, but it's such a good quote. Self-care is giving the world the best of you instead of what's left of you. Now, how often do you feel like you give whoever? Normally, it's not the children at school. Sometimes it's your colleagues, but usually it's people at home and friends and family and partners and people like that. Usually we and ourselves, we give the remainders. We give people the scraps. And normally you give yourself the tiniest little sort of remnants of you at the very, very end, if you're lucky. Sometimes you don't even get that. This is all about us striving, and it's not gonna be perfect, but it's about us striving to give you the best version of you, even as a teacher, and to give the people around you the best version of you as well. So why bother chatting about workload? What's the point? Well. We have what we call a capacity cup, or we could think about it as like a stress bucket, or there's lots of other names. But I want you to think that every single thing in your life goes into that bucket. So if you imagine it as um, a bucket with, with no tap on the bottom or anything, just a normal bucket, you've got family stress, you've got thinking about your nutrition, you've got trying to stay healthy, you've got school stress, you've got all the different stresses from school, planning, marking, assessment, that child in your class, you know, the parent you can't get hold of, leadership that email that comes through at half past 10 at night all of these things are going into that bucket now i'm pretty sure we've all experienced the feeling where we are just completely overwhelmed and we have a completely cloudy head you might be feeling like it now you can't even begin to sort your to-do list into categories or you can't even begin to think about where to start and so you end up sort of just doing nothing because you've got that whole sort of paralysis by analysis thing going on. You're trying to think and analyze what you need to do and you're just sort of paralyzed. You don't do any of it and it's complete overwhelm. That's when your bucket is just completely brimming. What happens if we get to burnout is that bucket sort of starts to brim over. And then that's when we can be super, super snappy with people. We might sort of see it affecting our relationships, things at home. We've all sort of, we've probably all experienced that a little bit to various degrees. It's important to remember that. And today what we want to do is we're going to, Put a tap on the bottom of that bucket and we're going to let some of that water out. Or we're going to learn how we can let some of that water out. But what we're also going to do is we're going to control how much is going into that bucket. And in terms of the water that's in the bucket, we're going to look at how we can get a couple of different ladles and spoons and deal with it a little bit better. 
took that analogy too far, but you, you know what I'm trying to say. We're dealing with what's going in. We're dealing with how we deal with the, what's in, in the bucket and we're trying to get rid of some at the bottom, okay? The thing is, when we get when it comes to stress, the body's response is the same, right? It doesn't really matter if it's mental stress, physical stress, emotional stress. The body will respond in a very, very similar way and it all goes into one bucket. Stress isn't necessarily a bad thing. Without stress, we would die. We need a certain level of stress. The brain needs a certain level of stimulus, right? We wouldn't learn anything if there wasn't certain stresses on the brain. And there's lots and lots of different things that are stresses. If you get poor, poor night's sleep, if you're in a calorie deficit, if you're going to the gym too much, if you're not taking time for you, if you've got too much in your mind, all of these things are stresses on the body. And the other tricky thing about this is that your stress that you're feeling right now can breed more stress. You can become stressed about being stressed. And you, you've all probably experienced this when you walk into school and you're kind of having a neutral day. You're not having an amazing day. You're not having a terrible day. You kind of walk in and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to get through today, you know, get one day close to the weekend. But then there's a colleague who's really stressed, usually at the photocopier, but, you know, they're really stressed and they just, they just, you know, verbally assault you with all the things that are going on in their mind and they completely unload onto you. You find yourself coming out with your jaw a bit clenched, your shoulders up a bit higher, breathing a little bit more shallow. Your fists might even be clenched. You suddenly, your heart rate's picked up. Suddenly you are now stressed. You are in a state of stress when you weren't before because you absorb the sort of, I don't want to say vibrations or atmosphere or stuff like that, but we, we absorb how other people are feeling. We mirror their physical behavior and that can in turn cause us to you know, do have the stress response, you know, as if it was our own stress, but also we just kind of absorb it. Okay. That bit's not very sciencey there, but we do, we do, we just absorb how that person's feeling because they've offloaded someone to us. When this becomes chronic, when you get causes of that stress hormone, when it's super, super, super high, we can see um, impacts on our menstrual cycle, libido, appetite, all sorts of different areas of our health motivation all kinds of stuff yeah you you can absorb the negative atmosphere in school 100 we get that sort of toxic feeling in a school absolutely same sort of thing you you just absorb it you feel it in the air everyone's kind of bouncing that energy off each other but when we get that chronic cortisol build up that's when we can sort of really to see really start to see those very negative impacts on our mental health and that's when we need to well before that ideally but when we sort of see these kind of signs we need to be really sort of stopping and listening and, 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 and looking at what we can do. The other thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to give you a few sort of punchy lines in a bit with, in terms of mindset, but just remember, yes, it is a passion, it's a vocation, you love it, you do it for the kids and all the other things that we talk about, but it is still paying your bills. I know that for lots of people that might rub you up the wrong way hearing that it's just a job. I know for you, it might not just be a job. But if you had the choice, you might go part time, you might choose to work half of the year, you might supply, you know, you might not choose to be a full time teacher in your current capacity, you might choose to move to a school where you get rid of some of your responsibilities. We do what we do as teachers, yes, because of all the reasons that are lovely, but at the end of the day, you still deserve to live your life. Bottom line for tonight, I want you to take that away. Because if you don't go and live your life and you don't get enjoyment and you don't get connection, everyone else is going to suffer. And this is a little bit like giving someone a Christmas present that's just an empty box. You're always giving, you're giving, you're giving, giving to other people, giving to the children. You feel like you're giving still and you are still giving. But when you're really sort of getting towards burnout, it's like you're giving an empty box to them. And imagine being someone who receives an empty box on Christmas. Yes, you've gone and given a gift of a present that's wrapped up. But have they actually received anything? Not really. 
So that's kind of what it's like. The more you use your energy, the more you burn out or head towards burnout, it's like you're giving basically worse and worse Christmas presents until you're until you're eventually just given an empty box that no one wants. That person would rather you keep that to yourself and come back next year with a better present, right? Similar sort of thing for your um, health, your workload and your well-being. This is something I say to you all the time. But if you're a guest or you haven't heard this before, you're watching this on playback or something, I really, really want you to listen to this one. In teaching, it is impossible to do everything all the time. You as a person can do anything in the world, but you can't do everything. It's impossible, even if other people make you feel like you should be able to, or even if other people seem like they are, which they're not, by the way. You need to do what you can with what you have where you are right now. Do what you can with what you have where you are. So it's not about getting everything done. It's certainly not about being perfect. It's about in your current situation where you are, with the resources, time, effort, energy, all of that that you have available, do what you can. It might not be perfect. In fact, it rarely will be perfect. Some days you'll be up at 80% and that'll be amazing. Some days you'll be at 20%. It doesn't matter because your 100% on that given day is going to be relative to whatever you are feeling. There will never be a day or never should be a week, should I say, where you can give 100% all week. There just won't. Things are going to change and that's completely normal because you're a human being. You are not a robot. You need to really, really take this on. We need connection. We need enjoyment. We can't just have that achievement always in our mind. So a couple of really sort of punchy lines I want to give you about mindset and jot this down, share this with people if it's useful for you. We need to remember that you're good enough needs to be good enough. You need to be the person that sets the bar. Because at the moment, particularly, well, to be honest, this kind of stuck with me for most of my career. So it's not just if you're new into your career. But I know that in the first few years of my career, I let other people set my bar. And I kind of just carried that with me. And the thing is, I then looked around me and it looked like other people were raising their bar. So I would raise my bar. And I would always be competing with myself. And I'd always be competing with other people. And I would always, always be looking for that bit of praise all the time just this inbuilt thing to need that praise and lots of teachers are the same we just need that thank you from the head teacher we just need that pat on the back we're just seeking that and usually this is subconscious but the thing is is let's be honest it doesn't really happen very often there from hundreds of teachers i've coached being a teacher myself the teachers i've talked to the 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 thousands that we've had on sessions like this and all the rest of it across the last few years not many of them have had a leader some have but not many of them have had leaders who have given them the praise that they want or the um appreciation or even just the recognition and sometimes when it does come it feels a little bit forced so you can't wait around for other people to tell you where the bar is and you can't wait for them to tell you what is good enough you'll never get everything done that's a cheesy cliche in teaching but you'll never get everything done and you'll never get to the end of that to do this it will never be good enough so you need to set your own good enough again perfectionism is a prison we get that paralysis by analysis, we get locked in. Presenteeism is a really, really funny one. And we spoke about this before. It's this idea of always being present. Now, in 2022, post-COVID, we are now more connected than ever, right? Even more so than pre-COVID, which was very difficult to be, to be honest. But we have WhatsApp conversations on our phone. We have WhatsApp chats. We have our emails that we feel we need to answer. We've got parents have, our, have sometimes have our contacts. We've got... Um, Guys, chip in. What, what are the platform that you use that parents can sometimes access you on? Sometimes we've got Google Classrooms, Teams, and there's a couple of other ones that I, I haven't used before. 
and usually using sort of like lower down the school there's like the um early there's like the early years um sort of uh platform isn't there? i can't remember what that's called um chuck them in the chat guys and um, dojo that's it class dojo tapestry that's the one tapestry see there's all these other things and yes you can remove them or turn notifications off and stuff but it's still there isn't it it's still in your mind it's still in your back pocket or on your laptop you feel the need to check it you feel the need to always go and look at notifications presenteeism is that feeling of needing to be present or trying to be more present than someone else always being contactable always being on the clock and the thing is is particularly post-covid you can now do your job from anywhere and so if you can work from anywhere you will work from anywhere so it's about making sure that we are setting those boundaries in place and all the others that we we know quite often accepting not, not everything's going to be done everyone feels like they're winging it the head teacher SLT, Senko, no one's as confident as they put across. No one, no one knows what they're doing. Everyone's blagging it. So if you're comparing yourself to your partner teacher or someone across the hall or whatever, don't, because they are thinking the same thing about you. And you've got to remember, if you're someone who worries about what other people think about them, remember that, and I don't mean this offensively, you are black background noise to their life. We are all the stars of our own show and everyone else is extras everyone else sort of blurs into the background right you say hello yeah you have some sort of you know a couple of leading characters and, and whatever and you'll have some sort of close characters but in your life you are the star of the show it's all about you and your colleagues tend to be extras and that's how everybody feels everyone's too wrapped up in them, their, themselves and what they've got going on to be thinking about you so never look at competing with people focus on that community instead everyone's got a different approach and the danger of should, you've heard me talk about that so, so many times. I'm not going to go into that one. Basically, swap the word should for the word could, and you will massively benefit. So before we talk about the actual practical stuff that we're here for tonight, I want to just quickly recap habit formation in case you haven't seen this. So our habits kind of work in loops. I'm sure lots of you are familiar with this. We have a cue, it's a signal, usually some um, kind of sensory input, a time um, or a feeling, you know, or one of the five senses, typically that covers it. Then we get a craving, the urge to do something. Then we respond, either we do it or we don't do it. And then we get a reward. If we've done the thing or we've avoided the thing, whatever the reward might be, okay? So that's how our habit loops work. Cue, craving, response, reward. And I'm gonna show you how to kind of um, sort of manipulate that and, make, and take advantage of it today. So this is always fueled by for, uh, feedback and there are four habit, four laws of the habits. And that is make it attractive, make it obvious, make it easy to do, and make it satisfying. And I kind of put these in layman's terms as make it visible, make it easy to, to remember, give yourself a cue, make it tempting to do, make it something you kind of actually want to do a little bit, and that will build over time. Make it simple, make it quick, don't, don't make it complicated, and give yourself a reward, all right? So you can just pop those down um, in, into this sort of grid. You know, Think of the habit that you want to build, Pick something now for me, guys. Pick something, a habit that you want to build in terms of your workload and your well-being for me right now. And jot down, how are you going to make it obvious to remember to do that? Is it going to be a post-it note, an alarm, a reminder, a timer? Are you going to ask someone to come and tell you? Are you going to leave something on your pillow at night? Are you going to leave something on your desk? Whatever the habit is, how are you going to make it obvious to yourself? Then how are you going to make it Again, it's never going to be really attractive, but how are you going to make it a bit more attractive to do? How are you going to make it something you kind of look forward to a little bit more? 
some really simple example, if you want to drink more water, maybe it's about having some sugar-free squash every, every other drink. So it's something that you kind of look forward to a bit more. Maybe you buy yourself a new bottle. I don't know. It could be anything. Make it easy. So don't start off by saying I'm going to drink four litres of water a day. Say I'm just going to drink one extra bottle than I was before. Leave your bottle on your desk. Have it in arm's reach. Have multiple bottles around the house and your workspace. Again, make it satisfying. If you tick off seven days in a row of drinking enough water, maybe then go and buy yourself a little something, a new water bottle, for example, or you give yourself a little sort of reward in some way. So that's how habits work. And as I talk through these next few slides, I want you to try and think, how are you going to make that thing obvious, attractive, easy and satisfying? Right. Give me some feedback, guys. Give me one thing you've taken away from today so far. Just one thing. Doesn't need to be anything big. Could be a frame, a quote, whatever. Give me one thing that you've taken away from today, please. And we will move on. Got 12 people. I want to see 12 things you've taken away. So this quote, be stubborn with your goals, but flexible in your methods. And that's going to be really the theme of the rest of this session. Um, just doing the spider web thing was eye-opening. Yeah, awesome. That that sort of star graph thing. Yeah, yeah. I need more time for myself. Yeah. Something that I learned today, actually, guys, uh, I think I'm not sure, not sure if I told you, I might have told you in passing, I don't know, but I'm currently doing therapy. And something I learned today in today's session was this sort of, um, I should have popped it on here, really. Let me quickly draw it for you. Was this um, sort of the four quarters of human needs. And in an ideal world, these sort of four quarters would all be um, basically equal. So you've got body, um, basically like health and stuff, achievement, connection, and uh, blindly was the next one. Enjoyment. Okay, so B A C E. Okay, that kind of thing, right? B A C E. And in an ideal world, your sort of health, looking after your body, your achievements, your work, everything else that you're doing. And achievements can be anything. You can clean in the house. It can be school. It can be I don't know, planning a holiday. Achievement can be anything. Your connection with loved ones, the people around you, and your enjoyment of life. Nothing to nothing that needs to have a purpose. It might be watching a film, listening to your favourite music, doing some drawing, some painting, some knitting, going for a run, writing a poem, whatever it is that you like to do. That is just pure enjoyment. And for, for no other reason other than you enjoy it, no outcome is needed. To make sure that sort of everything is, you know, we are ticking by on our health, is in the best possible place, these sort of four quarters would need to be mostly equal. Now, what I determined from my session today was that my connection and my enjoyment are squished to the bottom of the pan and they are very, very little, right? They're getting better, but they're very little. My achievement is quite okay. And my B, my sort of body and my health is quite okay. But they're not four equal quarters. They're not 25% each. And just to bear that in mind, when you're thinking about your overall holistic health, think about body, achievement, connection and enjoyment. It's a really good way to sort of sum it up. Anyway, let's go into some of these things that you've taken away from the session today and make it easy to form a new habit, not going 100 miles per hour. Small changes, the low hanging fruit, 100 percent. Love that low hanging fruit. Nothing wrong with low hanging fruit. It's perfect. It's what we want snowballing it making it easier to form a new habit setting boundaries and sticking to them prioritizing me to be able to give the best of me 100 everyone else around you is going to benefit 
when we feel, when we get guilty about being selfish, you need to remember it's not selfish, it's self first. You are the drop of the pebble in the middle of the pond. And those ripples that then come out of you doing the things we're going to talk through today, those ripples are going to benefit everyone. Imagine everyone's like a lily pad floating on the pond. Those ripples are going to impact everyone around you. So this is, this is just for you. We're doing it just for you. However, it's not just going to benefit just you. It's really important. So giving you something very, very practical is um, this um, Eisenhower matrix that we've spoken about before, but some of you might not have seen it. And it's essentially taking that to-do list and breaking it down into something that is a lot more manageable and doesn't sort of feel like you need to do everything right this second. Because sometimes as teachers, that's what our to-do list can feel like it, right? So we have urgent, not urgent, important, not important, okay? And if it's urgent and important, it's something that we need to do now. Your instant thought will be to put everything in this box, right? And you might do that, and that's fine. Then important things, but they're not urgent. Things that you can leave till tomorrow, the next day, after the weekend, things that you can put off to, to next term, right? Once you've sort of looked at this, you'll put all your ideas into the, it's important and it's urgent. But what I want you to do is I want you to sort of cross them off and actually relocate them into other boxes because they can move to other boxes. If it's not important and it's not urgent, give it to somebody else, okay? Sorry, if it's not important, but it is urgent still, needs to be done now, but it's not important, give it to someone else, delegate it. Uh, and if it's not urgent, it's not important, try your best to delete it. Things like tidying up your display, rewriting that thing, tidying up that draw label that's hanging off the tray. Those sort of niggly things that you really don't need to do, but you feel like you should do, that should worth comes in. Delete it, forget about it, and come back to it when it crops up again because it's not the end of the world. No one is gonna die if a draw label is wonky, right? It's not, it's not gonna end the world. Be really critical. Things that you need for today are the things that you need for today. You need them before the end of school, right? That's what you do. Anything else can be delayed. It really, really can, more than you think so. And delegating it. Teachers, we're not great at <laughs> deleting or delegating. Try your best to delegate as much as you possibly can. It won't be perfect. And like Joy says, what do you do when there's no one to delegate to? Then we need to go heavier on the delay. What can you put off? And heavier on the delete. Now, instantly, I can imagine there's 12 of you here, 13 of you here. I can imagine at least 10 of you are going, well, there's nothing I can delete. I need to do everything. Or there's nothing I can delay. Or I need to, I need to do it all. Do you? And I don't say that to sort of annoy you, but my job is to challenge your thoughts and the limiting beliefs that you've got and to challenge your identity. You are probably a giver, a protector. You're a do-aller. You're a look after everyone except yourself. And you are someone who feels like you need to be perfect and the example of everything all the time. You cannot fulfill that if you are always burning yourself out. You need to challenge your beliefs. Is it something that you need to do now? Is it really? Or could you put it off for a day or two? Is it something that you need to do so it's done perfectly? Or would somebody else's attempt be 60% okay? If that's the case, give it to them. You need to get better at letting go of stuff. And same for deleting. You tell me that there is nothing at all that you could possibly delete. That is not true. Now, I know that there won't be many things, and I know that through experience, there might be the odd thing but there will be something that right now you can get rid of until it comes back up again. There will be something, I can promise you that. 
quote that I got from Tom, our PT, who I found out today, he stole. Um, so the guy, um, uh, Kenichi Ome, was from, who it was originally from, but I put Tom on there. I thought it sounded too good to come from Tom. But this is really interesting because it's all about sharpening your axe before you go cutting down a tree, right? There's no point in rowing harder if the boat is heading in the wrong direction. If you are constantly everything's in the do section and you go, I just need to do more. I just need to work more. And you're constantly rowing in that wrong direction towards burnout. No good's going to come of it. We need to change directions every now and then. There's no point rowing harder if the boat is heading in the wrong direction. Right. Let's give you some really practical stuff. Grab your pens, grab your notepads. I'm going to chuck some ideas at you for you to jot down. So planning is going to save you time when it's your nutrition, whether it's timetables, where it's scheduling your tasks after school, something that not many of us do. If you plan for it, you will get more done in the time that you have available to you. So I want you, I want you to think about that time between three o'clock and six o'clock. Something that not many of us plan for. You might have a meeting in there or something, but there is going to be a block of 15 to 30 minutes in there that you just sort of get on with stuff. You don't really know what you're doing. It's some marking, then it's a bit of this, then it's a bit of that. If you just had a piece of paper or a diary and you just wrote, you looked at that task list, that, that matrix, that Eisenhower matrix, and you said, right, what do I need to do before I go home? And you had that time from three till whatever, three till five, wherever you're staying, and you said, right, half an hour here, five minute break, half an hour here, five minute break, a couple of 10 minute jobs in there to get some things ticked off your list, whatever it is. If you block out time, you will save time. The thing is we have this sort of um, bias, I guess, in the brain. It's the um, Parkinson's law that it kind of refers to. The work will expand the time you allocate it. You can all think of a time where you've had about half an hour to clean the house, and you got the entire house done in 30 minutes before someone came over. And you can all think of a time when you had probably about three hours to clean the house and somehow cleaning the house took three hours. Same amount of work done, same jobs done. One took three hours, one took a sixth of as much time, right? It's because the work will expand to fill the time you give it. If you give yourself 15 minutes, you will get that done in 15 minutes. All right, it might take 20 minutes, but it's a downside better than do it take, you know, it taking an hour, isn't it? So give yourself confined periods of time, a couple of rest periods of five minutes in there, you will be more productive. If you need to schedule the big key tasks first, those big rocks, get the big rocks taken care of, leave the gravel for, and the sand for another time. All right. Alarms, timers. I work so much better if I have a timer on my screen. Like right now, I keep looking at the time because I'm wary of, of how long I'm talking for. So having timers and alarms are really, really going to help. Using the one rule. The one thing rule do one thing at a time don't be doing your planning whilst responding to an email whilst looking up the resources when you're doing your lesson planning do the lesson planning afterwards do the resourcing afterwards get back to your emails compartmentalize things have these sort of blocks in your mind you will be, be much much more much more productive i think it's something like two percent of the population of the world can actually multitask I think it's typically um, females who, who can multitask, not, not, not uh, males. So most people cannot multitask. You task switch. And every time you flick between two tasks, you then lose a little bit of focus and a bit of concentration. And I read something the other day about it taking up to two minutes, um, sorry, from two minutes or more to get back to the same level of concentration you were at on a task up before them before you switched it. So if you're task switching 10 times in an hour, that's like 20 minutes of unfocused 
lost time that you've got. So compartmentalize, phones away, put your sort of focus music on, your binaural beats, your favorite playlist, podcast, whatever, get in the zone, time chunk, and don't let your work expand past that. Again, I know that this is all great in theory and you're all thinking, well, yeah, well, well, I can't do this because give it a go. Don't shoot it down until you've given it a go. Remember, as we talk through these things, the limiting beliefs of how you've done things for the last 5, 10, 20, 25 years, however long you've been teaching, you are basing what is possible on the evidence you have available to you. At the moment, a lot of the evidence is telling you that you can't, I don't know, use timers effectively or you can't timetable for that time after three o'clock you can these things are possible but those limiting beliefs are going to be jumping in right now you need to stop them and build new evidence for what is actually possible and then you'll start to feel confident that you can do these things something that i did that probably lost me a couple of connections at school but benefited my health was putting signs on doors that i was in a meeting or having a quiet space or working, going and working somewhere else like Costa or something for two hours before I went home or just saying to people, I'm really sorry. I can't talk to you about Great British Bake Off right now. And I need to go and get on with my marking. I'd love to talk about, you know, Mary Berry. She's still in it. Who knows? Mary Berry and her Victoria sponges and stuff. However, I actually need to go and do this thing. It's really hard because again, we have that connection and because schools are so full of connection, people to connect with, that human part of us wants to stay, stay and chat, feel part of the tribe, feel that that person is responding to us. Right. We haven't been listened to all day by an adult. We want to have some adult conversation. But the thing is, if that is taking up a ton of your time and you do need to get on with things, it might be worth setting those boundaries. Right. It's difficult, but it's really, really important when it comes to actually doing your planning for, for whatever it is. Don't try and reinvent the wheel every every time every term every lesson whatever reuse what you've got that works copy and paste stuff over you don't need to start from scratch and if you've been teaching you know a few years or more you'll have tons of stuff that you can go back to and use resource websites they're there for a reason i know that some leaderships are sort of trying to break away from twinkle and other things but you can still use them for stuff without people knowing right there is no point in you spending half an hour creating a uh, a multiplication sheet if there, it's already available somewhere online and there are there are literally hundreds of resource websites for you to use okay worst comes to worst if you're not allowed to use it photocopy it cover up the twinkle sign and whatever and just pretend you typed it out yourself well you know you, there'll be some there'll be some way to hide this from a resource website copy paste you can tweak it you can dif differentiate it for your class and for your uh, levels and all the rest of it it can be done. You can make your planning really, really quick, right? Snipping tool. Yeah. Love snipping tool. That is on, that is like the best thing ever. I remember one of my good friends who's still a good friend um, from my first, my second school. I remember, yeah, it won't be relative for you guys, but he sent me a very funny voice note once when he actually discovered the snipping tool and there was some, there was some bad language in it, but he was very, very happy that he had discovered the snipping tool. It is a, literally a, a lifesaver. If there are lots of difficulties with your um, planning performers and it seems excessive what people are asking you to do or what you've learned to do or whatever, we do need to communicate those difficulties, right? If you're being asked to plan every single thing down to the, to, to the T, I remember I found some of my first planning. I've got a box there of all the teaching stuff that I'm going through and getting rid of. I found a plan and it had timings on it. I'd written down three minutes for this two minutes for this, 
10 minutes for this. You can't do that in school. You, no one's no one's going to can't just say to the child, oh, no, you need to stop there. We're up to our three minutes of, of our plenary. You just, you just need to stop. Like, this is not how school works. So try not to over plan things. Now, really good tips for marking. OK, we're going to pause after this one. Really, really useful tips when it comes to managing your marking. For me, this is where I saw probably the biggest change in my workload at because I'd implemented some of these things. Honestly, game changes here. And it depends on obviously on your age. I know we have quite a few early years. Um, we've got some sort of year ones, got some year twos. We've got quite a lot of key stage one. But some of these things will still be um, relevant, right? Some, some of them will, some of them won't. But you can use them in your own sort of way. You'll be able to adapt them. So something that's really, really useful is choose your own challenge baskets. And it kind of goes into the whole child-led learning and sort of, you know, being in charge giving them accountability, giving them sort of um, ownership and all of that kind of stuff. So choosing your own challenge and what we had or what I adapted, we had these metacognition zones. So all the whole thinking about thinking and growth mindset and, and you know, reflecting on your learning and stuff. So it was sort of red. Um, I can't, I think I can't do it yet. I, I need like basically I need another lesson on it. I need to work with an adult or something. Uh, Amber was, um, I can't do it yet. Green was, I can do it independently. And um, blue was, I can coach others. Or, you know, it was friendlier wording than that. But essentially, those were our four sort of colours. And we would send them off you know, at the end of the lesson, at the start of the lesson to go and, you know, rate themselves. And we made it sort of really friendly and no one judged each other. And it took a while to get to that point. Um, and then at the end of the lesson, they'd do it again. And we obviously didn't do this all the time, but did for most lessons. Anyway, the choose your own challenge baskets had those colours underneath. So they could sort of see, you know, it wasn't spot on but they could kind of judge where they felt and what challenge they might need and obviously they were challenging themselves and stuff once they've done that those sort of challenge baskets uh, and this works for so many things more things than you think it probably does um but there's other uh, those other baskets underneath them had the marking stations so this was like basically the answers right um and it was sort of linked into um there's metacognition colours and the, and the ones that they'd chosen and um, the challenges they'd chosen, but they could then go and mark it. My first, yeah, it was my first, first year back in the UK after living in Thailand and teaching over there. Uh, I did give a child a star of the week because he somehow managed to convert. He couldn't do it at the start of the lesson, but by the end, he could convert millimetres to centimetres to metres to kilometres and backwards in every direction mixed up. And he, you know, he couldn't do it at the start. Um, I'm not actually sure he knew many of his times tables um, or could even multiply and divide by 10, 100 and 1,000 mentally. But he somehow managed to do all of these conversions. Turns out I gave him the start of the week and it turns out the next week I found out he just cheated and he just ticked them all right. Um, he 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 changed the first lot and then realised that I wasn't looking. So he didn't even bother to change the answers. He just ticked them all green. And so I looked at it. This is the lessons of a first year teacher. I looked at it and realised that actually I'd completely screwed up there and the head teacher found out as well. Um, so that wasn't ideal. So if you are going to do marking stations, there needs to be a certain level of trust. Some, you know, there needs to be only use green pens with the marking stations, no pencils allowed, all that kind of stuff. So there is a certain level of trust there. You need to watch watch out for who you need to watch out for. But marking stations will save you a ton of time. And then you can go around and you can give verbal feedback and just put a little VF in the margin or a little stamp or something. You can give them live feed, verbal feedback and you can live mark with them. So you can run through it with them. You can kind of go around. And I know this won't work for all stages. I was mostly key stage two, but there'll be bits here that you can sort of start to use. Self-assessment as well. 
again it takes training of course it does but once it's up and running it can really really help they assess themselves not from a marking station but their own sort of opinion reflection or on those zones peer assessment you can mix your children up you can kind of have them giving you know different uh, abilities and, and and all the rest of it giving them different feedback be really really useful saves you a ton of time this managing marking will save you so much time if you can start to implement it it really really will i promise and then the biggest one from well, not the biggest one one of the biggest ones for me was just open books because i used to put all, all the books used to go in the train you just have to spend probably about 10 seconds per book trying to find the right page if they have their books open or even better if they can leave their books in that in those metacognition colors or however you want to do it leave their books in piles obviously you can't really see their name because their books are open so there's no sort of judgment or anything like that it can save you so much time you can choose to start with the ones who have said they don't get it you can choose to start with the ones that have said they do get it you're sort of prerogative on that one whatever kind of day you're having and quote here just to sort of pause with i'm going to go through the chat um, I'm in my third year in year three. I'm using the same lessons for the third year running. Absolutely. hundred percent, hundred percent. Only thing is I fill it with um, too, too many chats of Mary Berry and a Victoria sponges. I don't know why I chose that example. Why did I choose that example? I should have chosen that example. It doesn't, doesn't read well when you read it like that, does it? I um, love the idea of putting a sign on the door. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, we only live mark now. It saved hours of my life. Yeah. I love that more and more people are sort of moving towards that. that's great in key stage one uh, unless they're with me and i'm marking they don't need it anyway yeah absolutely 100 percent. i think for so long marking has been a tick box exercise for when someone comes to moderate your books right it's <laughs> the thing is it can feel nice to write a nice comment and all of that stuff but if you can give that feedback live you know and a stamp or even better what i used to do with my year fives and year sixes it was I would sort of write VF and I'd get them to write to summarize underneath what the verbal feedback was. Or if I was giving them live marking, like, you know, what I'd said to them, if I'd gone and said, like, that's amazing, you've done this, there's this, you know, try doing this, they would then have to summarize that in their own words. So they're kind of really computing it. And the same as reflection, they put their metacognition color in a little square with where, wherever they felt their learning was. And they'd have to write a couple of sentences. We had sentence stems of, and again, I'm not saying I'm perfect, guys. You know, I, I wasn't like a perfect teacher by any stretch of the imagination, but these are just things that I worked that worked really, really well with us. But we'd have sentence stems of I feel I am blah blah blah. I feel like this because and um, blah, blah blah and like just you know better ones than that, really. But we'd have sentence stems of where they can start those reflections. And for younger down, you can do that verbally. So they might have a sentence stem of I feel this about my learning, I feel this because, and they can start to talk to you about their learning, maybe. Just another way to give that feedback and probably, well, definitely way more impactful than just sort of, well done, you use a verb or, or whatever, right? So it doesn't really help many people. So really good quote that you know that I love. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So the whole point of this is that between something happening at school and you choosing how you respond, it is a choice. There is a gap. And when you're really, really tired and really fed up, that gap will feel tiny. And when you are a little bit more rested or you feel like you're on top of your workload of well-being, that gap will feel bigger. But there is always a gap. And it is in that gap that we can choose our response. And that's how we grow and how we basically feel free from sort of stress and things like that. Now, we're going to kind of think about how we can stretch that gap. Basically, we want to sort of calm ourselves down. Now, this is all great and it's been, been lovely so far. But in the real world, 
this isn't going to be perfect. You will have weeks where your workload is through the roof. All we need is some weeks where our workload is a little bit lower. And instead of expecting this seesaw to be balanced in the middle all of the time, what we need is we need to accept that it is a seesaw and it ebbs and flows. And it's supposed to do that. It's supposed to peak and trough pretty much with everything, right? It's a, you can apply this to so many things that we talk about. It's not the goal to have seven, uh, you know, five perfect days of work and, and seven per, two perfect days of the weekend. The goal is never to be perfect. I just want for this time in October for your workload management and your well-being at school to be slightly better than it is this time in September. That's it. No numbers, no sort of you know need to measure anything. Do you feel that you're managing things better in October than you are in September? If yes, we're heading in the right direction and we keep going. We stack those bricks one at a time. We cast more, more votes for the person that we want to be. That doesn't just apply to your nutrition and your movement and whatever goal you're working on. This applies to your workload as well. You're just casting votes for the kind of workload and work-life balance that you want. And every time you do it, you just get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. Okay, some of you might not have seen this actually. But this is a strategy to help us stretch that gap. This is all about us building a self-care menu. OK, and it's really handy to have our self-care menu divided into some different columns. So you might have things that take you zero to five minutes to do. You might have some things that take you five to 20 minutes and some things that take you take you 20 plus minutes. Now, this is really handy because you might get caught off guard at school where you just need five minutes to yourself without other people around. You just need to calm yourself down or sort of bring yourself back down to that equilibrium. So these are things like breathing exercises and techniques, that sort of belly breathing where you're really focused on your diaphragm and that sort of box breathing where it might be three seconds in, hold, three seconds out, sorry, three seconds in, hold, three seconds out hold and all the rest of it all the different breathing techniques that we talk about and you can google breathing techniques there's the hand one where you breathe in on the up and out on the down there's all these different techniques google it but there'll be tons that come up taking a mental holiday as well picturing a really relaxing restorative place that you've been it doesn't need to be a holiday but imagine it's a trip out of your mind into a memory so a really happy memory a really happy place where you can just go and spend five minutes trust me if you do that, your breathing will slow, your heart rate will slow, your cortisol levels will come down and your stress response will start to calm down a little bit. OK, really, really, really useful music, mindfulness practices, you know, just going and doing five minutes of mindful coloring, nothing else, just coloring, meditation, all these other things that people like to do. And then I'm not going to read them all out to you. You can kind of see them here. Grab a picture if you want to. But you've got some things that take you five to 20 minutes. And then you've got some things that take you longer than 20 minutes planning actually going and doing what you plan so it might be in five to 20 minutes you, you're making a plan in the 20 minutes after or in a, in a period of 20 20 minutes or more later on it might be you're going to actually action it you go and do it right you might have a conversation you might watch some tv you might watch a film all these things can help you to regulate to help regulate your mood that stress response really 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 important when it comes to managing a workload because you're going in feeling like you're knackered already and, and by the way, I know that all of this is, yes, yeah, easy in theory. Yes, it is. In, it is easy in theory, right? It is sort of easier said than done. But if we're not doing it at the moment, it's worth giving it a go. It's worth put, trying to put it in place for at least a couple of weeks and seeing how you go with it. Now, we're nearly done, guys. Going to take a pause there. What have you taken away from the session so far? We've just got about five minutes left. So we're about an hour today, a bit of a longer one. There was a lot to talk about. Give me something you've taken away. 12 people, 12 comments, please. What have you taken away? 
I'm not going to call you out, but know that I want to. <laughs> what have you taken away? Uh, Rebecca says, I use most, mostly verbal feedback, live marking, self and peer review, so much better. At the moment, the workload just seems to be excessive and extreme. I would probably say that's something worth communicating. Now, there's different ways to go about it. You know, you don't need to sort of go in and complain. It could be you go with a solution. I remember my old head always used to say, don't come with a problem, come with a solution. Um, it, it does quite help. It's right. It does help quite a lot if you go in and say, I've noticed this or some people are feeling like this. However, here is your solution, because I know a lot of leadership just don't have the capacity. We know the schools are underfunded. Most of us are understaffed. We know that the pressure is on all the time. Just remember that everyone is feeling that pressure. I know that when it comes to leadership, there is more responsibility there. I appreciate that. But everyone is feeling the pressure. So if we can go with a solution, it's going to sort of, you know, be the be the sort of um sugar with the medicine sort of sort of deal you know make it go down easier if you can go with some kind of solution you might not have one so you might just need to go and just communicate totally openly or not honestly that this workload is too much could it not have been spread out or could it could it not be could this not be paused till next week you know could we sort of spread this workload out and be honest I need to look at managing my time productively between 3.30 and 4.30, not flitting between tasks. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, that I said about the whole focus thing. It's amazing how when you are on one thing at a time, time chunk, don't let Parkinson's law take over all your time and stretch the task. Keep it finite, keep it sort of short. And saying that you've got not got time to talk to be more productive, get to score 7 a.m. and leave at 6 p.m. most days. Um, uh, almost daily and two, three times a week, still work at home on the evening of an evening and on the weekend yeah really interesting exercise sophie add up all that time add up the hours and non-contact with the children so just do me a favor jot down all go through whole week all that time you just told me add up the number of hours take away your non-negotiable like staff meeting and whatever else look at how many hours of your life you're currently spending every single week that's at work or on work, but isn't contact and isn't sort of, um, you know, contracted extra responsibilities. So look at that. That's your time of the week that you spend working. Multiply that by 52. No, no, you can't do that, can you? Because the holidays. Multiply it by the number of weeks you're in school. I'm not even going to try and guess. Is it like 40? I can't remember. Multiply by the number of weeks that you are actually in school. And that is the number of hours you spend a year outside of teaching the children and outside of other obligations. That's going to be a huge number, right? I reckon you could cut that down by a quarter by the end of Christmas, just by putting these things in place. I really, really, really do. It's horrible because we want connection. We want to chat to people. We want to be part of a community. It's that tribal thing that all humans have in built. We want to belong. We want to feel like we're part of something. Totally get it. However, you need to be really critical and say, what's more important to me right now? You know, and then putting the other things in place. I need to spend time planning and prioritizing more and I need to set better boundaries for my time and ensure I have more time for me, 100%. I really need to have a moment after the kids have gone to relax before we go into working for the whole afternoon. Give me um, the confirmation that I, to actually go and do it and that not it's, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, sorry, this tonight, sorry, tonight gave you the confirmation that you need to go and do it and it's not something um, odd. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, it's not it's not that it's completely necessary this is these things aren't nice to have guys these are things that you need to function as a human being you need downtime you need gaps you need space 
right? Okay, excellent. Plan more things, planning when I'm taking a break, setting sound, setting boundaries. Need to find a time for myself to use the self-care menu, not leave school so late and have more time for myself. Yeah, 100%. Yep, absolutely, Sophie. Let me know next week. Sounds good. So when there are these longer term problems in school, like school cultures and things, yes, there is only a limited amount that we can do. We can't make, you know, we might not always be able to impact it, but sometimes we can influence it. So when you're going to speak to other colleagues about problems or things that are coming up, just like you are setting your boundaries with people, they might be trying to do the same and they might not have the capacity to deal with it right now. Imagine if that day that you're really, really stressed and really overwhelmed, that that colleague came up to you and you were a bit snappy or they came up to you and you were just, you just could not be bothered to talk to them. And you just gave them, you gave them like 1%, right? Imagine if, if they come up to you and said, hey, do you have, you know, the, do you have space, mental space, capacity? Do you have time? Whatever. Can you listen to me talk about this thing for now? Imagine if they asked you that and you went, oh, I'm really sorry. I, I really can't right now. And they went, all oh, right, okay. You could, you know, think of the impact that has if we all checked in before we dumped on someone. Because that's what we do, right? We go and we just offload all this stuff onto people. Imagine if everyone around us actually checked in how much how much like relief that would be for so many people yes we need to talk about certain things but there's a way a time and a place to do it supporting peers having those difficult conversations like i said there's different ways to communicate when something isn't right in school and as long as you're not going and screaming at someone you know you're being respectful you're being polite you're not getting agitated and stuff you're being listened to you can go and voice your opinions all you want that should be part of your you being part of the school right and if it's not Maybe there's a bigger problem than just that. Maybe it's about you looking for a different place, right? Because you deserve more than that. Reflecting on the situation, you know, giving yourself time. Things tend to get a little bit better once you step away from the situation for a day or two and then going and dealing with something. Giving yourself that space. Remember, stimulus, response. That space when you're angry, stressed, tired, upset is tiny. Giving yourself time away from it can stretch that space for you to think and make a different decision that might be more beneficial reach out for support if you need someone you need to reach out for support again there's a whole thing about checking people's capacities but you can still reach out for support and you know that you've always got me i'm always here it's not just about what you're eating and how much you're moving and how you're sleeping i am here for all of these kinds of things as well as most of you know because this is stuff that we talk about when we chat through coaching okay okay final slide before i show you just a couple of support strategies um or places sorry that you can go for support it's a really big task to tackle a school culture we're not going to talk about that today because we could, could be on here for hours and hours and probably would be knowing me but yes it's a difficult task to change the school culture however it is absolutely necessary and you might need to go above people's heads to get the support you need to help in that it's not often a, a one-person job right remember that we absorb that stress Everything we've spoken about today is about being proactive. If you're going to, you know, talk to someone about workload, say, right, you've given me five things to do this week. Can you please stretch this out and just give us one thing? We can only deal with one thing at a time. We can't task flip. So this is an unachievable workload within my time. I cannot keep working until 10 o'clock at night. Please, can you stretch this workload out over a bigger period of time so that we can actually do it to the standard it should be? Because otherwise, you're going to get lots of people half-assing it because they just don't have the capacity right now. Communicate this stuff. Don't contest it. Don't compete with people. 
there's imbalances in your team they need to be communicated and dealt with yes it's very very difficult and uncomfortable i've been there i've been there when i've communicated it and it's helped i've been there when i've communicated it and nothing's been done and i know how frustrating that is when there's an imbalance in your team but if you don't try you never know at the end of the day right communicate unrealistic expectations if something has got a 24-hour turnaround that is not acceptable doesn't matter who it is who's asking you someone can't email you at 10 o'clock at night and ask for something in the morning you know you're well within your right to close your laptop and walk out at half three so they can't ask for something after that time expected for the next morning it's unacceptable they need to give you that time that is your working time doesn't count doesn't count your free time really really important right if you do need help there are loads and loads of places that you can go to get it you are definitely not alone when it comes to teaching there are loads and loads of places. You guys know I'm a big fan of Ed Support. They are amazing, free to use. They do all sorts. I didn't even realize how much they do. They do grief support. They do financial support. They do family support. All sorts of different stuff. They've got hotline. They they're amazing. Ed Support, I would 100%. Young Minds as well, really really positive organization. They're doing some really really good things. Unions, local organizations. There is support out there. Try not to find yourself sort of caught up in a bit of a um, negative echo chamber because I know a lot of Facebook communities can just sort of become like whinge buckets where you just, every everyone is in there is whinging and rightly so, you know, we all need a whinge, but you know, it just becomes an echo chamber of negativity. And from my experience, when I was in the classroom, it didn't help me proactively do anything. Nothing got sorted. I vented and I felt better for a bit. And then I sat there reading everyone else's comments and then I felt 10 times worse. So Pick your battles, pick where you go to sort of have these conversations. Try not to get caught in one of those places, but hopefully that helps, guys.